Uh, so today we have something very special as we continue our series on miracles and everything God wants to do in our lives. So to continue our series is our lead pastor, Roland Gray. Good morning, everybody. Always good to see you guys. Uh, before we start, um, for those visitors who are here for the first time, maybe even the second, you know what, we want to welcome you back. Um, if you have never filled out one of our blue visitors cards, we ask that you would do that. It's just our way of uh, trying to keep in touch if that's something you would prefer. But fill out that card as comfortable as you can. Uh, give us something to be able to uh, reach you. We can keep you posted with different meetings and life groups and different things going on. Uh, that's kind of how we do it. And then our life group leaders, at the end of the service, life group leaders, raise your hands. All right, these guys are going to come and get that card from you and get to know you and try to make you feel real welcome. That's just what we do. Uh, and so we'd appreciate if you can help us uh, by doing that. So welcome to a very special Super Bowl Sunday. They won't charge me for that, will, me? will they, uh, John Hirano? I use the word Super Bowls being recorded. We'll see. Uh, Roger Goodell, just you know, call my people. Um, but uh, I see the, the tide has gone out a little bit. I don't know if they got the memo that it starts this afternoon and you still have time for church. But uh, God bless them anyway. Amen. Um, but let me give you just a heads up of what's going to happen today. I'm going I'm to preach pretty quick here in the beginning because we have something special. I want you to hear from a very special family of ours here in this church, uh, something that God has done that is just incredible. Uh, we've been on a, on a series called Miracles, um, and we're going to hear about one that took place right, right here uh, in, this, in this home setting of a church, uh, and we're going to brag on God about all that he's done uh, for them. You're going to be blessed by it. I believe that. So, And then I'll um, have a closing thought, and then we'll go uh, barbecue and eat some chicken wings and watch the game, all right? Oh, you guys don't want to watch the game? Y'all are being spiritual. Okay, all right, Johnny. We got one, one, one honest guy. Uh, he's special there in the back. God's going to bless him for his honesty. <laughs> um, but why don't we start with a, with a funny story? There's an old man, he's from the country, his family was from the country, and he uh, was not very familiar with the city. He didn't have to go to the city for anything. Everything he needed was in his small little town with one crossroads and one streetlight that blinked red. Didn't even turn green or yellow. And so he goes to see his doctor, and his doctor says, you know, you're getting up there in age, uh, and you need some attention from a specialist, which we don't have in this town, you're going to have to go into the city and see that uh, the, the doctor who's a, who's a specialist in, in this area. So he says, okay. So he gets his wife and he gets his grandson and they go into this town. And so they're, uh, they go into the city and as they're approaching, they see these big old skyscrapers, which he knew was there. He just had never been there. And so, you know, he's a little bit anxious. He goes and he parks his vehicle and then he walks into the lobby of this, one of, the, one of the skyscrapers. And he walks in and he's seeing things he's never seen before. And so he stands in front of the elevator, not knowing what it was, even his grandson. You know, he, he had seen something like it, wasn't quite sure. And so he sees an elderly lady come in and she goes into the elevator and then she turns around and she hits a button. 
The doors close. They're puzzled. They're still observing and watching. The doors open back up, and out walks this attractive young lady. And they're both going. And the grandson says, Grandpa, what just happened? And he said, I don't know, but go back to the car quick and get your grandma. How many know a wrong perception of things isn't always good? And so sometimes we can see something and not really know about it. And so there's still a level of ignorance involved with what we don't know or what we don't see. And I think there's a little bit of that going on here. We're going to get into this. Just bear with me uh, because we're going to fly through this because I want to make time uh, for uh, some good friends of ours uh, to come up and share uh, what God has done in their lives. We're going to be in John chapter 9, verse 1 through 7. This is going to be our main text today. Uh, and, then we'll, uh, and then we'll pray and get to it. So John 9, 1 through 7 says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam which is translated sent. So he went and washed, and he came back seeing. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for today, for your word. Lord, thank you. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Holy Spirit, we just ask you, as always, to be here with us, to assist us, to, to help break this down, that your voice would be the one that people hear, uh, to, uh, that we could understand this, that this would change our lives, as your word often does, uh, always does. So, Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've entitled my message, Believing is Seeing, which obviously is a spin on what you're used to. Seeing is believing, but believing is seeing. Um, there are three things that I've observed in regards to this miracle that we're going to read about. We're coming to the end of our series. We're on this theme of miracles where we just see God doing incredibly powerful and miraculous Things for people. So three things I observe. And the first one is this. Miracles manifest as we hear his voice. Miracles manifest as we hear his voice. I was laughing as I was studying this because God brought me to this moment of what this blind man must have been experiencing when all this was happening. So imagine with me. Put yourself in the shoes of the blind man. He's minding his own business. He can't do much else. He can't, you know, go to a lot of places on his own. So he's probably just sitting there. He probably hears some ruckus and some footsteps. And then he hears voices. And this is what it sounded like. Let me just kind of reread that scripture. Um, and so it's the first, the disciples are the first ones to chime in. And they see this man who's blind. And then they say, <laughs> uh, Jesus... Who sinned and caused blindness, him or his parents? And then Jesus says, he starts to ramble, neither one. 
Neither one, Jesus told him. His blindness is going to reveal God, right? And then he says this message that we're going to get into a little bit uh, later. I must do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. There will be a night when nobody can work anymore. And then he delivers one of his most powerful and popular lines. He says, I am the light of the world. I think even as a blind man, (laughs) he's probably done that before. So as he's not seeing and he hears, I am the light of the world, he's probably going. And then imagine from there he feels something wet on his eyes. Can you imagine? How many know those involuntary uh, reflexes kick in? You ever had somebody kind of, while you're sleeping, put something in your nose? You're like, it's like, it's instant, right? And that would have been me had I heard that and then felt that. But let me say this. God shows his grace by speaking to us. He did not see anything that was happening, but he heard Jesus. And he heard his voice. And this, I think we can relate with. How many times have you been around somebody who loves God or you've been to church and you're hearing a message and you're picking something up and you don't really know him? How many of you experienced that? Maybe you're here for the first time in in a church like this. Maybe you've never experienced worship like this. But in the midst of it, you're going, "Mm, there is something here. That's God speaking to you. That's God's faithfulness. God is faithful to speak. And the thing about God speaking, it's not a gift. So a lot of times we start to believe that we are not, you know, cut out to to hear God. Anybody, have you ever felt that before? You're like, you know, I know God speaks, but I don't know if I I hear him. I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's not a gift. It's not like some people have it and some people don't. Because when God speaks, he gives us an ability to hear him. Not, not a gift to hear him. It's an ability. And that's why we could all hear him. And that's why it's important when the, when, when the Bible says that today is the day of salvation and you hear that voice, that's the time to react. That's the time to, to come forward with a decision. And so God is always speaking to us. Every single person has the ability to hear him. We just got to get our antennas up. And we just got to tune in and identify his voice. It's not mystical to hear him. A lot of times, you've heard me say this before, a lot of times you think it's a hunch. And it's not. It's God going, just listen. And here's the thing about God, he doesn't have to yell. He can whisper and you'll know it. And so when you're making life decisions and you're, uh, you know, having to, to navigate through different things in life, Pause and ask him. Prayer is two ways. God speaks from the beginning of time, from the beginning of the Bible. He spoke things into existence. His voice is very clear. And he gives us the ability to hear him even now. But how many know God's not the only one speaking? And what's funny is we... We live in a noisy world. There's a lot of voices, but two of the loudest would be God. And the other one is the devil, obviously. And so the first thing he tells you is, you can't hear him. And then what do we believe? Yeah, I can't. It's so easy to believe the lie rather than the truth. How many know it's easier to believe a lie than the truth? A lot of people don't like to hear the truth. 
But when God speaks, it's truth. Jesus implied that hearing his voice is an ability, and we all have it. Here's my second point. uh, Miracles manifest when we believe his word. So here's this man who can't see anything, yet he hears clearly. And Jesus is already at work. In verse 7, he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. This is the first half of verse 7. The word believe here is not an intellectual concept. The word believe here is simply this, okay? And, and uh, don't leave here today without getting this. The word believe simply means a submission to him. It's a submission. It's total surrender. Total meaning you give everything he asks and you do everything he says. The reason why is that you no longer operate based on human feelings and emotions. How many go through some emotional times every once in a while? And how many of you ever get overwhelmed by whatever's going on here and here? Is it just me? That's all of us, isn't it? The reason why we submit to him is so that that would have no effect on us. So that it would have no effect on us. If you believe in something... You'll prove that belief through taking action. You might have heard this story before. There was a tightrope walker back in the early 1900s. And he walked in between the Empire State Building and another building. And he would walk that tightrope over and over. And people would watch him. And then he would put odd objects on his back. And he would do it again over and over and over. And then every once in a while he would put somebody on his back. And he would do it over and over. And over and over. Then he would ask the crowd, how many of you believe I can walk with you on my back? Everybody raises their hands. And then he says, can I get a volunteer? You see, belief requires action. If you truly believe something, you will put it to the test. And so when we say we believe in God, that's what I mean by it's a submission. Do you really Do you really believe in him? Mark 16, 17 through 20 says this. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Let me zone in on on one word, and that's signs. It's a Greek word that refers to a signature or seal that was applied to a document to guarantee its authenticity. That's what that word means. This biblical word, when you translate it, it's something that validates something else. In other words, God is saying, when I deliver a sign, I put my signature on that bad boy. If you want to see the signs, you have to believe. Believing means action. Say action. And this man believed 
And he proved it by getting up and going to the pool of Siloam. Now, think about it. If somebody put spit in my eyes, <laughs> I'd go straight to the first sink in my house. Now, the guy was blind, so I don't know. Somebody had to have helped him get to this pool. But you know what? He believed him or else he wouldn't have gone to the pool. He got up and he went. Believing means getting up and doing what he says, right? And this brings us to our final point. Wow, man, I can't believe I preached this fast. Y'all are like, wow, that's a miracle. <laughs> hey, no further comments. My last point. Some of y'all are going, hallelujah, God is real. And that's this. Miracles manifest as we're obedient to do what he says. Say obedient. We don't like that word, do we? Obedient. After Jesus told him what to do in the first half of verse 7, he said, go to the pool, right? Then he gets up. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Let me rewind that. So he went and he washed. And what happened? He came back seeing through one act of obedience. He received his miracle. And I believe we are one act away. For some of us, one act away, away from seeing God do something incredible in our lives. If we would just step out in faith. Sometimes it's not even faith. Sometimes it's just obedience talking about God's voice he speaks mostly through his word and it's all there it's all there he went and washed and he came back seeing again if he didn't believe he wouldn't have went he could have found a, a well somewhere close by I'm sure they had a bowl of of wash water in their house there was no one running water to each home back then but I'm sure they had their supply but he still, he got up, and he came back seeing. Now, uh, while we're on it, signs, that's God's signature. The word follow translated from a word that means to accompany a person or follow a person as if they are on a trip. To accompany as if they are on a trip. To accompany as if they are moving. To accompany as if they are going somewhere. Signs are God's way of showing his realness. But we have to be moving. Because the Bible says signs follow us. How many have ever said, oh God, I have this decision. Should I take this job or that job? God, show me a sign. Anybody ever done that? Right? I think we're all guilty at some point when we're desperate. God, I need something. But how many know that's backwards. Signs follow us. Signs follow those who believe. And then God will validate with a sign. God speaks, we hear his voice. This is, let me recap what believe means. Because a lot of us say, I believe in God. How many have heard your friends say that? How many who say, I don't need to go in church. I don't need to go to church. When you invite them, they say, because I already believe in God. Oh, really? This is what believe means. Let us recap. To believe means that God speaks, 
we hear. And then he tells us where to go, what to do, what to say, and so on. And so we don't just believe by paying lip service. It's not just I believe and so that's it. God doesn't validate that. We prove, say prove. When you say I believe in God, you need to prove your belief. We prove our belief in him by taking action and moving and doing simply what he says. After we hear him, after we do what he tells us, he then provides the sign. He then validates your belief. He then validates your faith. And he moves on your behalf. And then after that, he signs it and says, yo, that was me. That is real. And so we've been going through this series, and, and there's always a bigger purpose to these miracles. We see the miracle, and somebody got healed. Wow, God, you're amazing. We see somebody get up and walk. Wow, Jesus, you're incredible. And those are only the byproducts of what this really is about. Really, the bottom line is for God to be revealed, for his glory to be revealed to mankind. So God says, what you just saw and experienced, put my thumbprint on that. That was me. He's the great I am. He's 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 the real deal. He's saying, I am the real deal. And what he did for that person, God is saying, what I did for him, I could do for you. What I did for her, I could also do for you. Let me teach you what it means to believe So there's no way we can do a sermon series with, without featuring this family that I'm about to bring up. Um, so uh, let's see. Uh, Dennis, Beth, would you guys join me on stage? DJ and Leah. Can you give them a hand as they come up? This is a little different. We have never really done this in this style but I believe that you are going to be uh, absolutely blessed. Let me try to summarize this just a little bit. Um, We've all been through something called COVID, uh, and we saw the whole entire world come to a stop and a pause, and we got familiar with a a word called quarantine. Anybody remember that? How many still get triggered just by talking about it and hearing about it? Anybody? I'm just wondering. All right, well, something amazing happened uh, with, wait, why am I so far? I feel like we're still in the COVID. Okay. Yeah, you guys can. Let's, let's get cozy, guys. I encourage these guys to not make this interview stuffy. We're just going to be ourselves, so. Did you bring the coffee? Okay, okay. Well. Yeah, right, okay. I, I Actually, I got the padded chair. I'm a little selfish, but... So, all right, uh, Dennis, bring us up to speed, kind of tell us, you know, what was going on, how you guys got here, because Vegas wasn't home, still wasn't quite home. Um, give us a picture to set the storyline before we, we get going. Okay. Ooh. How many of you would like to retire when you're, when you're very young? Don't, don't lie, raise your hand. <laughs> I spent my entire life working at a job so I could retire when I'm 56 years old. I worked for the Air Force for 33 years as a civil engineer. 
And uh, I worked all those years to make sure I could retire as early as I could. So when uh, I turned 56, I retired three days later. I wanted to do it right away. Yeah. <laughs> Take one step back. That was October 2019. My whole plan when I retired was to travel the country in a motorhome and see, see the country, see the nation. Oh, there it is right there. So in April of 2019, we flew to, I flew to Texas and I bought a motorhome and had it ready for us so that when we got to the mainland, we could start traveling. In October 2019, when I retired, October 12th, we left Hawaii on October, two, October 14th, just two days later. Flew to Texas, I mean, flew to the mainland. We drove to Texas, and, um, picked up the motorhome, and started traveling. We did that for a whole year, crisscrossing the country three times, back and cross, uh, east coast, west coast, touching it all, seeing a lot of things, doing a lot of, having a lot of fun. There it is right there. Yep. And we spent all that time uh, just um, seeing the sights and having fun, enjoying ourselves. That was my whole plan. God had a different plan. And uh, we were traveling, and when we came, when we came back to uh, Las Vegas in 2000, let's see, September of 2020. No, yeah, September of 2020. On um, December 13th, we were at an RV park in Las Vegas. That night I went to sleep, and that's the last I remember. I didn't wake up in 2014. Uh, October, uh, December 14th. Okay, all right. Beth, continue where Dennis's memory leaves us. Yeah. <laughs> so we came to Las Vegas to what they call to winter. <laughs> we came to winter in Las Vegas, and we thought we'd be here like about two months, two, three months, you know. And um, so our family was going to come. Um, my daughter and her husband from Boston came for Thanksgiving, and then we were going to go to Hawaii, spend time with Leah and DJ and my mom in December. But with all the quarantine and all that stuff, we said, you know, mom, come over here. You know? <laughs> and then so, and then we'll go to Hawaii later. But um, so in the last week that my daughter was going to leave, we uh, went to Mount Zion, you know, and then my so we spent, you know, the whole time in Mount Zion in one hotel room. And my niece called me. And the day before, we had lunch with them. And we went to look at model homes. And um, they said, Auntie, we tested positive for COVID. Oh, <laughs> I was like, OK. We were exposed to them. But now we exposed my daughter. And uh, so that week, we just monitored ourselves. I mean, we didn't have any symptoms, but I was the first to know, so I felt all kinds of symptoms, you know. I felt everything like, oh, maybe I'm sick and all that kind of stuff. But, so we monitored ourselves and took care of ourselves, drank lots of water. What did they tell you to do? What kind of care? And we did that, and we even called our doctor in Hawaii, our nurse, because we were always in touch with our um, doctors. Technically, we were still residents of Hawaii. And um, they just said, do this and that we did everything that we needed to do and then like you said on um, the eight you know the eighth day or something he I mean when 
we told pastor and his symptoms was, oh, no, I'm okay. I'm just fatigued or whatever. So one morning he just didn't wake. He's an early rise and he didn't wake up. And I just thought, he probably really needs his sleep. <laughs> and I let him sleep, you know. And then I was coming to lunchtime and I thought, honey, get up. It's time to eat. And he was unresponsive. So the ambulance came and they took him and we, we followed to the ER. And that time you could ne not visit any, um, any patients in the hospital. I went to the ER, followed the ambulance, and they told me, oh, you can go home now. We'll let you know how he's doing. <laughs> that was very, right. yeah. That was, so at this uh, point, you realize it's critical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, at this, I, of course, you know, this point, I realized it was critical, but at the same time, I was thinking, oh, they're probably going to give him some IV and he'll be out three, four days. He just needed his strength back. Because, you know, Dennis takes care of himself, you know. Mm, yeah. he, he, he's very much aware of his body and he always you know, takes care of himself. So I thought that was the last thing I needed to worry about with him. But it, 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 there was just that uncertainty, right? Yeah. You cannot visit them. You don't know what's going on. You only, you know, they tell you. Right. So he didn't come back that day. How long was he in the hospital? He was in the hospital, and I guess we have our dates mixed up, but it's December, whether I remember 8th, but he says 13. You know? So from December 13th to February 25th. So yeah. that was, yeah. Okay, long this time. is giving you some perspective. All right, DJ Leia. Quant two. Yeah. All right, no, Mike is hot. Mike is hot. Okay. You guys are coming from a totally different perspective <laughs> and station in life and everything else. So tell me how you caught wind and how that changed things for you guys. So if you uh, remember, my dad mentioned he retired in 2019, uh, and then they moved up here. And if you want to talk about faith, he said, okay, I'm going to give you the house. Watch the house. Watch uncle. Bye. <laughs> so I was like, well, I mean, thank you for having that much faith in me, dad. But... Um, yeah, I guess the, I was in college. I was still going to college. I was still going to school. All the while uh, serving in ministry, doing worship back home. So um, you weren't even married yet? Not yet. We were, okay. we were just dating. Um, not even engaged. Not, well, we were obviously talking about it. But um, yeah, the season I was in was I was, God was calling me to finish school, serve at the local church. Um, and beyond that, I would always ask God, what's beyond this? And it was kind of just like... Trust me when you get there, kind of thing. And I totally relate to the story about the blind man. Because for us, being in Hawaii while all of this was happening, it was as if it was happening in the dark. Um, not only was communication slow from the hospital to my mom and my, my family up here, but for some reason, your communication to me was even slower in Hawaii. Um, I don't know if you guys were trying to, you know, protect us from, you know, whatever, but I forgive you. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was, it was very much as if we couldn't see, it. there was a veil before our eyes, yeah. you know, and, and just hearing news secondhand, thirdhand through the grapevine from cousins or, and even for them getting it from, from the, the hospital a little bit later than normal. Yeah, I'm sure normal, there was so much you know. going on. I'm sure there was a lot being dropped yeah. at the time and yeah, it must've been a crazy time. Mm -hmm. Do you want to? Yeah, um, I was going to ministry school at the time and serving at church and working. And so when we got the news, it was just a lot of fear um, because we didn't know a lot about COVID back then, you know, and we just didn't know what was going to happen. And so it felt like 
there was so much going on in our lives and life wasn't stopping for us. You know, we had to continue work, continue serving, continue doing what we were doing. And yeah, we had definitely had a sense of fear. Yeah. Okay, so we've been on this series, right? Last week we talked about storms. So previous, uh, before the storm, there was plans to come, hang out, tour the country, come back, lay down roots, bring the family. Uh, now we're in the middle of this storm, right? And, and uh, hard to see, hard to understand, lots of noise, pretty chaotic, um, I'm sure. So, um, Beth, how long? Um, no, 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 we, we did that. Uh, what were the doctors telling you? So um, you could not visit in those days. So all you had to do, um, you had to call every day to find out the status. And somehow I was sometimes afraid to call. I figured sometimes I thought, okay, no news is good news. You know, if they're calling me that, if they called me, my heart would just jump and just say, what is it? You know, but basically it was like they tell me he's stable. He's stable, but he's still on um, respiratory, what do you call them? Ventilator. Ventilator. And goes, why? Because, and um, it's not a good situation because he needs it 100% to breathe because he's not breathing on his own. And this was at least about three, four, five days later, you know. And okay, so I go back to my prayer time. If he needs to breathe, God, help him breathe. Breathe on him, Lord. And, you know, I couldn't sleep and stuff, but I would listen to worship songs, and I thought maybe it was in a dream or something, but God showed me a vision of big God picking him up off his, his hospital bed and scooping him up and breathing on him. Hmm. I saw that, and then the next day the nurse calls me up and says, I called you because we have some good news. It's like, yes. Well, he's breathing 60%. What was, he, what was the percentage previous to that? 100% he needed the help. Totally dependent yes. on, on the ventilator. So when they called 60%, you know, now he's just needing the help of 60% to breathe. I know it goes backwards, like 100% he's healed. No, it's backwards, right? He needs um, 60%. Mm-hmm. And then if he goes down to 40%, we'll be able to take out his, you know, um, ventilator. And so, and we went through that week full of faith and stuff. And three days later, they tell me, we're not getting any significant improvement. Let's pull the plug. Yeah. So you feel like you hear God. Yeah. God gives you this vision. You An know? encouragement. Like he gave me encouragement. Yeah. That. Like there, there, there's, something, there's something here. But then you get news. I remember this. I remember this time. <clears throat> uh, because I remember the phone call. Uh, obviously, Ashley's not here. She was the one making all the phone calls, uh, I think, to give you a break. And so she gives me this phone call with the news that this is the decision that has to be made. Um, there is no significant improvement. Um, if you remember at the time, uh, the hospitals were in need of beds. Um, you know, I don't know, I believe there might have been some situations where they're thinking, let's just clear this bed because uh, somebody else might need it. I don't, I'm not saying that's the case, but, um, but the doctors, this was their advice. How would you, you know, you don't want your relative to go through this. You don't want them feeling like this and struggling like this and was really encouraging them. And I remember... You know, as, even as we talked about the message today, we hear God and then we believe, right? And so I felt like I had heard God very clearly, even with all the bad news that was going on. And I was inspired to send this text to Dennis's phone, knowing he wouldn't get it anytime soon. Can we show that picture? De- we were in life group. We were in life group. And 
and, uh, and me and Dennis were reliving this, and I guess he had gone through his messages, and I get this text out of nowhere. He says, hey, man, I was just going through my message, and I, and I, I remember this, and I read this. Here's what I wrote to him. My brother, I know you're in the ICU, and you won't read this till later. This text will serve as a testimony. Just know that at this moment, I'm praying for you and Beth. We as a family and church have been praying since we heard. Our confidence is in God and his power and that you will come out strong and healthy in Jesus' name. I will talk to you soon. Amen? That's an amen. That's a Super Bowl point. No. All right. That's a, yeah. I mean, well, here's, if I can be honest. When I got this news and that call from Ashley, my faith was rocked. Because I thought I heard God and I sent this text. And now I'm getting this. He, he, he may not make it. And so I think we wound up saying, look, uh, the doctor said, you know, hey, we don't have to do this right now. And I said, take it. <laughs> Just, okay, we don't have to make a decision. We are not going to make. Because we wanted to fly them up. Yes, absolutely. And all these things, all these things are happening. So, again, we're in the middle of the storm. Um, how much did faith play a part and what kept you going? And I'll let you guys just kind of jump in and share briefly, you know. Yeah. Um, my faith got real small. I'm not going to lie. Sure. Um, I'm the type of person, I'm not an anxious person. I don't worry very much. Uh, I think I got that from my dad. Every time I, when they had told me that they were feeling symptoms, they were like, oh, it's not nothing, nothing, you know. So in my head, I'm, in my heart, I'm like, okay, it's nothing. But then, you know, you get the news that he's in the hospital, and then days go by, weeks go by, and the news doesn't change, right? The, the, the good news doesn't come. The thing that you're hoping for doesn't come. And I think that's a very real, real part about the storm is dealing with disappointment. Uh, there was a moment I was um, getting ready to go to serve, and I didn't want to serve. I didn't want to play drums. I didn't want to do anything. Um, and I was crying in the, in the bathroom, uh, brushing my teeth. It was ugly. It was a mess. Uh, I was crying in the bathroom and, and really just praying for God to heal my dad. And God really spoke. I didn't hear it audibly. I felt, had this feeling of God saying, would you be okay if I healed him in heaven? Um, in other words, was the cross enough? He was saying, t telling me, was the cross enough? Is the cross enough for you? Is the cross enough for your dad? He's saved. Um, what is it to you if I, if I want to bring him home? Wow. You know, and I had to wrestle with that. I wrestled with that for weeks and weeks with my small group. I was like, you know, God is telling me he may, he may not heal him here. You know, and for, I know it's easy, 20, hindsight is twenty twenty. And for me, I look back and, and I'm like, it's very easy to think that to trust God looking back because you're on the other side. Yeah. You see it, right? But there was a real moment where I was prepared and when my mom had us fly up, I was ready and prepared to pretty much say bye to my dad over FaceTime because we couldn't walk in, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, not that I was happy about it, I was definitely not happy, I was disappointed, but I had peace because... Because of the cross, because what God had spoke to me in the shower while I was brushing my, or not in the shower, in the bathroom, brushing my teeth, toothpaste everywhere, you know, um, that the cross is enough, you know, and in that, in that moment, that helped my faith get big, because for me, it was like, is the cross, in, do I have to wait for the victory to worship God? Do I have to wait for the victory to, um, 
serve? Do I have to wait for the victory to tell my friends about what I'm going through or how, God's, how God has come through for me before? You know, God already won. That. That's, that's the real miracle. Um, yeah. This is a bonus that he chose to save him on this end, you know. But wow. the real yeah. miracle is that whether or not he took or left him here or took him here, that I would see him again in heaven. Yeah. And that was the hope that I held on to. And I, I like to share that part because I know that there's um, not everyone has had family members who were sick and came and, and God, you know, saved them. Yeah. Right? And just to share that, you know, I was, I was in that moment where I had a moment where I really had to come to peace with God. If you, if we were to take my, my dad up to heaven, you know, that's his will. What's that? What is that to me? His way, it says in Isaiah, um, that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And if I can't understand it now on this side of heaven, I'm sure he'll tell me on the other side. So, yeah. Amazing. Okay. Beth, where was the turning point? What, what transpired? Something Uh, obviously happened or else Dennis wouldn't be here, right? (laughs) Yeah, there were three stages of faith for me. The first stage when he was sick, it was like this happy, you know, entitlement. God, you know, you've shown all these miracles before. You're going to do it again. You know, it's going to come out in three days. Then he didn't come out. So then I went through this transactional relationship and faith with the Lord. Lord God, I've been a good girl all my life. I've been a good girl all my life. I have big faith. You've done crazy things in my life that I've believed, and you've done it. And so I was coming to God with all these receipts, you know, as if my goodness, my goodness was going to get God to move, you know. So that was a transactional faith I had. Then I moved to the trust because then I realized, no, it's not my goodness that's going to get God to move. God's going to move because he's good God. God's going to heal and, or do whatever he needs to do because he is a good God. Amen. Yeah, yeah he's a good God. And so then we went to the, um, sta- then from there, the trust stage. And it is a God, I trust you. And un- until you take his last breath, whatever the doctors say, you know, we're going to fight. The fight is not over until we bury him in the ground. (laughs) He is still breathing. He is still alive. And we have this fight. And I'm with you, God. I want to be with you. Let me be with you. And we as a family just went into this fighting mode. Wow. We went to a fighting mode. And we we fought for his life. We stood in every scripture. (laughs) And And because we knew. You guys fought with them. You guys heard the prayer requests. That was all going on. You guys were right there fighting. All of you, I'm sorry. The church uh, back yes. home. Back home. Uh, everybody here. knew about it. I mean, our worldwide family was, was praying. Yeah. So. yeah, I'm here. And, then, and so, you know, um, I just want to just thank you, all of you, you know, because you were in the fight with us. And I'm sure you guys were going, oh, you know, no, I mean, nobody knew anything about COVID and stuff like that. But we came to the realization that. God, we serve a good God, and if he's going to do anything, it's because he's a good God. It's not because we're better family or gooder family than everybody else, because we did good things and we have these receipts to show God. No, no, those receipts don't mean anything. Yeah. You know, the, good, the receipt is God is good. Amen. You know, and he will come through no matter what the situation is. All right, so Dennis pulls out of this tailspin, um, and he's uh, beginning to breathe on his own. Uh, they do keep you a little bit longer uh, in the hospital. And, and as they've already mentioned, you guys remember, nobody was allowed in. And so we have some pictures of what visitation actually looked like. You got grandkids looking through windows outside the building. To see a living dentist, God had healed him, brought him back to life, and, uh, and, and they're talking on the phone. And so um, 
How many know God is absolutely amazing? Can we celebrate the fact that he's still here? And then I want to get, Leah, if we can start with you, um, briefly give us just a parting shot of, of faith, you know, uh, to take us out. And then we'll just go down. We'll, this will be, we'll finish up here. So go ahead. Yeah. Um, this morning when I shared in my exhortation, I lived that out, you know, like, I had so much fear. Um, I am an anxious person, you know, and so for me, it was different. I had anxiety. I was worried, um, but God had to speak to me that he truly does give a peace that transcends all understanding. You know, when we trust in God, when we say, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going on. I'm begging you to heal him, you know, but like, yeah, trusting that God is going to move no matter what, and in the end, whether God were to heal, you know, my father-in-law on this side of heaven, on the other side, that he was still going to get the glory, you know, that he would still have healing because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We believe in an eternal life, and we know that when we go to heaven, we're healed, and so for me, it was having and finding the peace in that, that no matter what, having that even if faith that God is good no matter what, you know, and he's going to take care of our family no matter what, and so I had to really learn what it was to lean on that peace to still worship God, to still praise God, to still believe he was good despite what I was seeing because that's who God is. Just like my mother-in-law was saying, he's a good God and we trust him no matter what. And so that was what I learned and what I leave with you, that God is good and he is for you and he was with you no matter what. Excellent. <laughs> um, this is like the hardest question. Because, like, for me, it's, it's not, um, I hope this encourages. And I, as I was trying to distill everything that God was teaching me in that season, uh, is this, is um, that God is God and I am not, you know. And there are things that we try, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried to take control of the season that I was in. But God was saying, just let go um, and trust me, trust him. You know, and it's his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And not only is God God, and I am not, but God is good. And because of that, whether, no matter what the outcome would have been, um, my testimony will have still been that God is faithful. Yeah. Well said. So I wrote it down so I won't go on a bunny trail. <laughs> so thank you so much for it. Um, I just want to honor your time, too. And I wrote this, um, actually, on the day that we first came to service, you know, so that everybody could see that he was well. And storms come to all of us. The Bible promises that God will be with us through the storms of life, Matthew 5.45. Even in the parable of the house built on the sand versus the house built on the rock, having the right foundation does not mean that the house will be free from being hit by a storm. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Storms are equal opportunity destroyers. It doesn't care if you're rich or broke, if you come from a good family or a dysfunctional family. Storms happen. Storms come to everyone. Emotional, relational, physical, financial, whatever. You, the storm, they just come. The presence at a storm doesn't always mean God is angry at you or you need to repent of a secret sin. 
And I will say this on a side note, that if it is that, if that is the case, the Holy Spirit will tell you, will lead you, and will show you God, the mercy and grace of God the Father to tell you, get up, here's my hand, get up, let's go, let's move on. So if that is the case, but it's not always the case. On the other hand, you can be right in the center of God's will, and the storm will still crash against your door. We have a choice to make. We can bemoan the cause of the storm, debate whose fault it is, or you can move or you can just move on to safety. When the storm hits, um, we feel like we've been shipwrecked. Hang on to the parts of the ship that will bring you to the shore and to the safety. I'm talking about fellowship, friendship. You know, when Dennis was in the hospital, I didn't want to go to group. <laughs> I didn't want to go drive from Inspirata to Summerlin. But I needed to. I needed to hang on to that ship, fellowship and friendship, discipleship, stewardship, last, and another ship, worship. <laughs> that's going to bring you to shore, and that's going to lead you back to the Lord and to the safety. Very good. All right, Dennis, I know this was a strange interview because it's all about you, but you didn't remember a lot, so your chance to bring us home. I'm reminded of a... The story in the Gospels, if you remember uh, when uh, the paralytic was brought to the guy's house and they broke through the roof and they lowered him down in there, Jesus said, I saw their faith. Not the faith of the, of the paralytic. He saw the faith of the guys lowering him down into the, into the house and he healed him. So I'll tell you this, it matters who you keep company with. It matters who you keep company with. One of the first things I did when we started here in Las Vegas in October, October 2019 is I joined uh, Pastor Roland's small group. Ever since I've been in that group. And one thing I know is I know that they were praying for me. I know that you guys are praying for me. My fam family was praying for me. It matters who you keep company with. Surround yourself with people who know God. People are going to pray for you when you need it. Amen? Amen. Stretch your hands out. Father, thank you for this family. Thank you for uh, Dennis and his amazing miracle. And thank you for allowing them to share the story. That's part of our obedience. As we talk about obedience, uh, Lord, it's not just uh, doing what you say to benefit ourselves, as this man that we read about in our text. He went to the pool to heal himself. But then if we read later on in that chapter... He said, it was this man who healed me. There's a story to be told. Thank you that we can share this one and hear this one. But Lord, help us as your church and as your people, Lord, to share the glory of what you've done in our life. The most truthful thing that we could share with the people on this earth is what you've done in our lives. Nobody can dispute it. Nobody can change it. Uh, Lord, may we, uh, may we shamelessly testify about your goodness and your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we give them a hand? Thank you guys very much. Why don't we go ahead and close out in prayer? How many of you enjoyed that? I'm going to appreciate them a little bit more. 
through that storm, we inherited a, a powerhouse of a family that contributes to this church, serves in this church. This church would not be who they are without them. So thank you, God. Lord, we just uh, dedicate this time to you again as we, as we honor you and as we, as we give you glory. Lord, we dare not take any of that for ourselves. Because, uh, Lord, you're just, you're just an absolutely amazing, amazing God. And you do uh, nothing but, but great things for us. And um, I, I just feel like I just need to pray for some of you who, are, who have been believing for a miracle and you haven't got it. You know, I'm not sure why God does what he does. I can only quote scripture to you. And I understand because... Even though scriptures may say something, it's not always satisfying to the, to the mind and to the spirit. And so even as I say this, I'm believing for miracles in my own family that we haven't quite seen yet, but we're still believing. And in Romans 9, Paul makes reference to an Old Testament scripture in Exodus, which God tells Moses... I will have mercy on who I want and I will have compassion on who I want. As I'm thinking about last week's message, the, the man who was crippled, or maybe this was two weeks ago, and Jesus went and he healed him, he wasn't the only one that needed healing. Everybody else was at that pool because they were believing God for, for a, a breakthrough in their lives, but yet Jesus went among all these sick people and he healed one. He healed one while everybody else looked on. And I believe there's some here, that's what you feel like. You hear all the amazing stories. And you're saying, God, what about me? What about my family? What about my loved ones? Maybe if I can encourage you, as we talked about the storm last week, their miracle didn't come until the fourth watch. It was the darkest time. It was the middle of the night. And the Bible says that Jesus saw them struggling. And that's when he showed up. Just remember this. God knows exactly what you're going through. He sees you. He knows what you can take. He knows what you're made of because he made you. He knows this. He knit you in his womb. Now, Father, I just pray for those who are in that season and they're waiting for you to show up. Lord, thank you for the encouraging words from this family that says, Lord, whether you do or whether you don't, we'll trust you and you will still get the glory. So whether you're waiting on that miracle, maybe you got it, and maybe God is saying, not in this lifetime, but I promise you in the next. Lord, I pray for grace and strength for those who might find themselves there. But Lord, the real miracle is that your name would be known and that lives would be changed by coming to know you. Father, again, may our stories not be held back. 
May our testimonies go forth along with your word so that others may hear and the ultimate miracle of eternity will take place. Before we go, if there's anybody here and you're not right with God and you want to get right with him today, would you raise your hand? Is that anybody here? All right. Praise God. We're all going. We're all be there. Lord, we just seal this time of your goodness and your power. And Lord, thank you. Lord, we're going to see more miracles in this house. In the name of Jesus, we'll see more miracles in this house. We'll see breakthrough. Father, we'll see your power. And Father, we, I thank you there's a time that's coming where it will be normal. Lord, we invite you here to be with us and lead us as a family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. God is good. God is good. Amen.